was like, that's fucking dumb. That's, like, uh, that's fucking, that's fucking good. All right. Let's play a game. I spy with my little eye. Fuck. That's all. No reason. All right. Okay. Okay. Okay, here. Yep. Yep. Let's, let's fucking, let's, we gotta stretch okay. it out. We fucking. got it. Let's, Ooh. let's crucifix it out for it's a minute. It's fine. <laughs> God. It's more like scarecrow in it I out. feel very like, I don't know, man, I feel like this is what you'd look like if you're being crucified too. <laughs> scarecrow is pretty much being yeah. crucified. <laughs> let's crucifix it out for a minute. Uh, uh, oh my God. All right. Um... Oh, and welcome to episode 42. Hi. I'm Amanda. Oh, wait. <laughs> Actually, I'm Amanda, and that's Christina. I'm Christina. We're fucking delirious. That's Amanda. I'm pointing at her. In case and you couldn't see. I'm just describing my movements. And this is I'm Sorry What the Podcast. And that describes just I'm Sorry What just describes... How our fucking weeks have been. This is, it's so, I mean, that whole entrance right there, just, that's pretty much just a snap, a snapshot of how our lives and our brains have been working the last, like, three Uh. weeks, four weeks. And so, we apologize for all the fuck-ups that have happened thus far this month, and it's only the ninth. We apologize. uh, As we record. And we're also... It's surprised fine. <laughs> that this hasn't happened prior to this week and uh it's probably gonna happen again so yeah, we're gonna do our best for it not to happen but also no guarantees because no. you know life gets a little weird and you just gotta roll with the punches it's yeah <laughs> so there's that Damn i just it. i feel like discussing our weeks would take four hours so yep. um so how was your week Oh, we're just gonna do no, it just anyway. real. I was thinking real quick. Um, grand, cool. How's your week? Busy. Yeah. All same. right. All right. Mine Got a story? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> For real. That's like okay. Let's just fucking get it done before we forget to save it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Legit. I opened my computer. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna edit this. It'll take me, you know, half hour because it's a for fuck's sake. No big deal. Open my computer and go. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> Checking every single folder. Nope. It's not fucking there. Didn't fucking save it. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. What was weird is I leaned forward with my mouth open because I was about <laughs> to say something and you burped and for a second I went, was that me? And I was like, I didn't feel anything. And then I looked at you and you were like. Sorry. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. I'm not just spontaneously burping. <laughs> and not feeling it or under- knowing if it's me or not. That's like when your sphincter starts going out and those, like, old ladies that toot as they walk and they have no idea because they can't tell. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous. Oh, God. God damn it. Okay. Uh, All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know how many times we've already said okay, all right? <laughs> In the beginning of this, it's a lot. We're just going to say that. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, you got a story? I did do. you get one done? I did. Oh, good. Now watch. I printed this. So I'm wondering if, like, there's, like, a page missing or something. I didn't even look through the printing. So You're going to get halfway see. through and be, be like, like, 
Uh, I this feel like I missed a part. <laughs> this isn't the same. <laughs> no, I, this probably wasn't the best story to do this week since my brain and my mental capacity is just not functioning at mm-hmm. obviously top notch gear. I don't yep. Know. Okay, we're just gonna go with that. Yep. <laughs> um, it's the story of the stalking of Angela Diaz. Okay. This is a table flipper for you. At Ooh. some point, at this point, Amanda's gonna be like. What was your, what is it you used to always say? This, this bitch. bitch! Yeah. And she's going to flip the table. And I'm going to crack my neck yeah. about 45 times, at or at s- least attempt to. At some point. And it's a, uh, it's a, she's got a lot of, we'll just get into okay. it. Okay. I am, I am ready. Let me get a drink of my caffeine. All right. We're just going to dive right into it. So, this beginning part's going to be weird, but. It's important to the story, so just... Okay, I'm ready. Fucking focus. I got... Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm the one. All right. Okay. So... <laughs> so focus. Mm-hmm. Michelle Hadley and Ian Diaz, um, who was a, de- a deputy with the U.S. Marshal Service, were in a relationship from 2013 to 2015. Okay. Um, they got engaged. They bought a Yorkie and named him Chewy. Oh, like Chewbacca? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess. I don't know. That's Maybe what I would guess. Like, chewy things. Because he's a Yorkie. He's fluffy like Chewbacca. Yeah. Yorkies always look like Ewoks to me, but, I mean, whatever. Um, and eventually, they bought a condo in May of 2015. They went in together on the loan, and they were both on the mortgage, but Michelle provided the lump sum cash payment for the downtown. Or down payment. And it was, like, I think she paid, like, $16,000 or something for the downtown. Okay. Payment. Whatever the percentage was for yes, but then their relationship fell apart in midfall. Uh, they were fighting constantly, uh, according to Diaz, and then Hadley accused Diaz of being verbally abusive, and Ian kicked her out of the condo, and they broke up. Okay, and Diaz is Angela, correct? No, Michelle is Michelle and Ian. Okay, are together. Angela hasn't come into the picture. Okay. Yet. Yep. Ian is a U.S. Marshal Service. Michelle was just a student in a college. And he's Ian Diaz? Yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry, hold on. Hold on! (laughs) (laughs) A minute. (laughs) All right. So then, um, at this point, when they broke up, this is when Ian uh, claims Hadley began uh, emailing him, like, really disturbing things. So, she threatened to burn down the condo with the dog inside. Seems a little harsh, but alright. One of the... Well, and she was very, like, uh, spiritual and very religious. Okay. So then, another email read, I've been patient and my patience is at an end. Uh, It suggested Ian was guilty of the seven deadly sins and most of all pride. And she signed the email off with let it be written, so let it be done. Oh, and then another just dis- email described the condo that which does not belong to you but belongs to the Holy Trinity. Um, and then they were in like a legal battle battle over who owned the actual condo. Right. So during all that time, Ian meets a woman named Angela. On, and it's Connell. I think her last name is on January second, two thousand and sixteen. So this they broke up in like September, and then. He met this woman, Angela, on the 16th, uh, in or January 2nd, so just a couple months later. Okay. Um, and they basically immediately were in a committed relationship. On the t- January 29th, he proposed, so not even a full month 
He proposed to Angela and she accepted. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a little fast for me. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. And then (laughs) I barely am willing to say I'm someone's girlfriend within a month. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So then they vacationed uh, in Boise, Idaho. (laughs) Exciting. (laughs) But his parents were there. Okay. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) Um, Like two weeks later. And then Angela told her fiance and his parents that she was pregnant. When they got back to California, um, they talked about Angela moving into her, Ian's condo, the condo. Okay. And then on February 19th, Ian arrived home from work and Angela had moved all of her belongings into his condo. All right. The lovebirds discussed the pregnancy um, and Angela's... <laughs> the pregnancy! <laughs> I, that was weird in reflection in my it. voice, but I just fucking went with it. But then you had to point I, it out. I, I said it in my head, just like, she's gonna fucking say something. And you're like, that pregnancy! If I was reading that on a sheet of paper, that would be highlighted. <laughs> <laughs> the pregnancy! <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and then the fact that Angela didn't have health insurance and they decided that they should get married because she didn't have health insurance. Right. Pregnant. So, uh, they went to the courthouse and just three days later, she became Angela Diaz. Um, and then in April of 2016, Angela had a miscarriage. Oh, no. So, um, but then in May, she told Ian that she was pregnant again. And then the next month, um, she provided, she got basically sonogram showing fraternal twins. It was during this time that she is preparing for the baby that she began receiving threatening emails. Okay. So on May 29th, it said, I hope you're scared to death tomorrow. Be prepared. Don't sleep. We will steal your child and we will watch as it dies. You are a piece of shit and I hope to God you burn for what you have done to us. Dude, what the fuck? Another email said you deserve nothing but life of lonely torture. I have always I have ways to hurt you. There is no place you will be safe anymore. Uh, on June, so those two were both sent in May, and then in June, it's there was one that said you might be beautiful, you might be the one he married, but you are still a sinner and you must be punished. I will make sure that you are reminded of your place by force. And then another one in Jude said, I know you are leaving work. I watch you as you walk. Let's play a game. Can you imagine being pregnant and already being stressed because you just had a miscarriage and having these sort of emails being sent to you? Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Some some of the emails, though, included photos of women that were beaten with black eyes or being groped by men in masks. I don't understand. Or naked and strangled. Also, so, um... Angela Diaz repeatedly had to call the cops in Anaheim, uh, where they were living, because she said strangers were turning up at her condo to rape her. And then she reported the threatening emails. So, someone has had been replying to rape, like, people on Craigslist. I was just going like, to say, was it one of those, things, like, weird things where someone set it up were, with her info? They were on Craigslist. There's, I guess, a section where people for fetishes where people can put in that they like rape fantasies. Yeah, I don't think they do. They have that anymore because it was causing problems. Right. So someone was responding with all of Angela's information and how she wanted to be raped. And so people were showing up at the condo to do the fantasy that they had discussed, not trying to, yeah. Um, Uh, Not trying to be an actual raper, but more of like a consensual setup, but she didn't 
send the information. Yes. Okay. So she believed that the person that was doing all of this was her husband's ex-girlfriend, Michelle Hadley. Fair enough. Um, she kept receiving emails. She said she'd been followed to work by Michelle Hadley's friends and was harassed. Um, on June 13th, someone replied to a Craigslist posting saying, I have been dying to have a rape fantasy occur. I want to be watched while walking my dog, following me to the door and forcing me, forcing into my condo. Oh, so now they're amping it up. So I am that 30 tall, gorgeous and ready. The person continued before providing the address of Angela Diaz condo in Anaheim. I have a Yorkie that I walk every night around 8 PM. Come find me. Dude. Six days later, police received a phone call from Angela Diaz who had, um, warned that another man was traveling to her house from San Diego, believing that she had contacted him through a rape fantasy advertisement. So they like emailed her and said, I'm on my way. Like, so that she wasn't like completely caught up. Okay. The officer called the man and left a message saying that, Hey, don't fucking do that. Hey, knock it off. Oh my God. (laughs) And no one showed up that night. Um, the man eventually wrote an email to Ian's, um, Angela's husband, Ian, and told him that he was sorry that he thought the message was legitimate. And I was just thinking like how um, he probably felt after he got that thing saying like, that's, it's a false, whatever. And And he's like, oh my God. Through that guy, um, he, Ian discovered that the responder had also sent photos of Angela so that they knew exactly what she looked like from Mm. her Instagram. So Ian was a U.S. Marshall. Okay. And then he began to actually intervene in the police investigation. So he would respond to posters of the Craigslist ads, trying to set up a rape fantasy and question them himself. Uh-huh. Which, hey, you can't do that. Right. That's illegal. Um, and then on June 21st, another man notified Angela and he was flying into Los Angeles to do this. Like, it's from, like, not just... Yeah. Oh, my God. Um... So then the detective again called the man and was like, hey, don't come here. <laughs> right. Then on June 24th, Angela called 911 and reported an attempted rape. Okay, so somebody actually... The cop who responded found Diaz in the back alley behind her residence with bruises to her right temple um, and marks on her neck. But the suspect was never found or seen on any of the security footage. Um, Anaheim police arrested Michelle Hadley the next morning. Um, she was released on bail before 11 a.m. And Diaz received another email within an hour. Supposedly from an address connected to Michelle. It it said Lilith Hadley was the name. Okay. Um, that warning that she would be punished and she would be raped. What the actual hell? So then Angela called 911 again, like, a couple of days later, reporting a teen lurking around their condo. Like, someone just, like, watching her. Being suspicious as fuck. Um, And then Hadley was arrested again. This time, she was doing homework at her parents' office, and they, like, busted in, arrested her, and they post her bail at a million dollars. Right. Which was more than her family could afford if they wanted to hire an attorney. Um, And then she would be in jail for about three months. Okay. So then police were investigating this case and gathering evidence for Michelle Hadley's trial when they stumbled on something that would basically turn the case on its head. I can almost imagine. 
the police began search warrants for the IP addresses connected to all of the phony emails. There's like six or seven. And one IP address was used during the activation of an email address that borrowed Hadley's name. And it was linked to the home of Angela Diaz's mm-hmm. father. And, and then another fake email address, this time using the name of Angela Diaz's ex-boyfriends, was linked to An- Ian Diaz, the Anaheim condo. Yeah. As the Bitch police, be crazy, huh? As the police dug deeper, they uncovered the twisted plot. Oh, man, Angela, you fucked up, man. Angela Diaz had created an elaborate fucking scheme. One in which she faked stalking, threatening emails, posted rape fantasy ads online, and faked a pregnancy. All to frame the ex-fiance of her husband. She just wanted her out of the picture. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Bitch be fucking crazy. It's the moment. This bitch. (laughs) (laughs) This fucking bitch. No, but for real, what the hell? Yep. So she would route emails to herself and use different servers to avoid detection of her IP addresses. She actually made it appear, like, and fooled the police into making it appear as if Hadley was posting the ads about her prosecutors. Said, um... When replying to men online about the ad, she'd send photos of herself, details about her personal routine, and make it look like she was be- the one being targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, which resulted in the re- re- arrest of Michelle Hadley. Um, and Hadley actually could have faced up to life in prison if she had been convicted. Uh, yeah. According to court records, she was charged with six counts of attempted forcible rape. Stalking, stalking without a restraining order, because they placed a restraining order on her. I'll get to that. Um, criminal threats, three counts of a secondary offense committed while released from custody, and assault with intent to commit sexual offense during the commission of first-degree burglary, all of which are felonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was also charged with a misdemeanor violation of protective stay-away order, um, and she was in custody for up to three months until October of 2016 when they gathered enough information to allow for her to be released. And then their charges were dismissed and they weren't dismissed until January of two thousand uh, 9th. And then when they were dismissed, uh, she, there was, they came out in the media saying, I want to make sure Miss Hadley is cleared in every possible way. Uh, in the courtroom and in the court of public opinion, it needs to be made clear in the media and in cyberspace. Mrs. Hadley is an innocent victim of a diabolical scheme. Right. She did nothing. She is just a human that happened to be connected to the now husband of... Right. And so then Angela. charges against Angela Marie Diaz were uh, were filed on January 6th of 2017. All right. So we're going to back up now. Dude, holy shit. And we're going to get into Hadley's story. Okay. So... Or Michelle's story. So, Ian Diaz and Michelle Hadley broke up, like I said, in September of 2015. Um, they own that condo. Hadley sued Ian Diaz for breach of settlement for not assuming the mortgage. So, both of their names were on it, and he wasn't assu- assuming it. And she had put the down payment on, but was kicked out of it. So, it was right. kind of like, I've got all the money in this. My name's on it, but you've kicked me out of it, and you need to assume the full mortgage Right, cost. and now you're not paying for the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle Hadley also stated that her relationship was filled with problems and court documents revealed that the issues included a disastrous breakup that involved protective orders and other things. So Ian actually put a protect, asked for a protective order against Michelle and it was thrown out of court. 
Okay. Like, you didn't really have a reason for it. Was his basis those emails he was yes. saying that she was sending? Yes. So he submitted several email exchanges he had with Hadley, along with accusations against, uh, accusations against her from incidents during their relationship. It's She admits that she wrote those emails. Okay. But she was basically like, I was pushed past my limit, and right. I was not in a good place, and I just was pissed off. Well, right. It's like, I legitimately so, am broke, homeless, and this is mine because right. I put my money into it, um, and that's why I'm broke and homeless. Ian claimed that she has emotional, she's emotionally unstable, she has fits of rage and self-medication with alcohol, and that he feared for his safety. He seems to me, I'm just a little, I think I'm a little biased after reading all of this, but he seems to be the kind of guy who, like, once he breaks up with someone, she's crazy because he makes sane people do crazy shit. Right. Not because they're actually crazy. So, like a like a narcissist. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, so, the uh. restraining order was rejected. Hadley was, like, actually in a support group for, like, she was, she feels she was mentally abused. So, she was in a support group by Diaz. Uh, about, uh, she feels she was mentally abused by Diaz. So, she was in a help support group. Okay. And she claimed that Diaz, because of it, uh, he he was a deputy marshal and owned several guns, she was scared of him. Okay. Right. Um. So, she had actually <laughs> barred him from the campus of Chapman University, where she was trying to get her master's degree in business administration. Okay. She had, so, she had him barred from the university grounds. She accused him of once getting her drunk and then having a random man have sex with her on video. What the fuck? Um, she said you don't get any woman, let alone the woman you purport to love, drunk and find a random man for her to have sex with while you make a pornographic video of her. That is rape, which is against the law. She wrote this in an email to him. Luckily, there are plenty of text messages in a video to prove that you and the man you found coerced, you found coerced me sexually. But... He wrote back just saying, yeah, I have video of it, so are you sure you want to go that route? Like, you, and you knew exactly what you were doing, and you were, you were fine with it, and stuff like that. So, um, (sighs) she basically said he was emotionally abusive towards her, and, um, had previously hacked into her email and social media accounts, because he knew her passwords. He seems like the kind, so, not surprised. Um... Her father reported saying in an interview, interview when she left the play, that condo, she had nothing. She showed up on our doorstep. Uh, she didn't want to get anything out of the condo. She just wanted to get away from him. She has been scared to death of this guy since the day she left him. Uh-huh. Uh, so she basically right now is just working to put her life, or was working to put her life back together. She lost her job and her apartment had to drop out of business school because of all of this. Like the media circus that's surrounding it. The fact that she was arrested and was charged with felonies. Right. Just all of this stuff. Um, she is now, she has since returned to business school to finish her major or to finish her master's degree. Um, she has a blog about it. Um, she's also in the process of a lawsuit against the city and her ex, Ian, um, who she believed was actually involved in the scheme. Um, it sounds like he probably was. So she thinks that... Anaheim cops ignored her truthful pleas and that she was being framed and filed 10 felonies and misdemeanors against her that carried a life in prison sentence because that he was friends with Anaheim cops. Right. And so she couldn't get a fair anything because Mm -hmm. they were all friends with Ian. Right. 
Um, and she's claimed that she was, she spent 88 days in the Orange County jail where she lived in a sparse, tiny room, 23 hours per day because of, she had a million dollar bond placed on her. Um, she endured indecencies from obnoxious custodial deputies and demented inmates, uh, more than half a year into the ordeal after be the only reason that they did this was because her defense attorney would not leave the prosecutor alone. Her defense attorney attorney kept like saying you need to look into this more there's got to be more right. to the story this you need to look way, into this more for as cunning as it is it's way too surface what they think is happening yeah and a local prosecutor finally like decided that they needed to look into it got those warrants and figured out that the cops had been like fooled right the but the the judge doesn't there's not enough proof to prove that ian had any involvement in it and during all this ian actually like once she was arrested, filed for divorce, and filed a lawsuit against Angela for fraud. And then it came out. There's all this other crazy shit she did. Like, Angela was straight up crazy. She, um, in a previous relationship and her work, she defrauded her work and saying she had cervical cancer. And, like, pretended to have cervical cancer. And um, she had, like, I think she had, like, stolen money from an ex-boyfriend. She was, like, a con artist, basically. Right. So it's that not totally unbelievable that she put it together herself and did this thing but for me most likely he had a hand in it since it was not right. being it just seemed like that was a lot of like routing ip addresses and like stuff like that just seemed i was like how did one i don't know i guess maybe she did know how to do it but it just seems i don't i'm not completely convinced it was just her and that he didn't have any kind of information right on that's it. what i mean but it's not like unbelievable but at the same time i i feel like it seems like he at least had some sort of hand in it right and so basically what i think the lawsuit against ian got dropped but she's still pursuing the lawsuit against the police department um, and her lawyers are quoted as saying that the allegations against her were nothing but sloppy and false evidence that boneheaded Anaheim detectives could have exposed with basic sleuthing skills. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Angela's trial outcome, even while pleading guilty, she basically showed no remorse, compassion, or empathy for the victim. Um, through a victim impact statement, Hadley's attorney reminded the court of how Dia's actions led to Hadley spending 90 days in custody. The jail time dam damaged her credit and her job and apartment applications. Um, and she, it still prompts questions about crimes she didn't commit when she's going to like jobs right. and stuff like that. Um, she still has nightmares and post-traumatic stress from being in prison and then the deputy district attorney read a statement from diaz given before she was identified as the true suspect in which she said hadley should register as a sex offender and that she ruined her life so basically like they flipped it and reversed her like so impact she statement. says that whoever did this should be registered as a sex offender right so she should be registered basically, as like, a sex offender flipped it and reversed it um, and then when that statement was read, Diaz started laughing. Oh my god! Yeah. Fucking circuit's loose up there. Um. So, along with two counts of kidnapping and false imprisonment by menace, fraud, or deceit, Diaz also pled guilty to two counts of forgery and possession of a forged check worth over $950 for adding $2,000 to a payment from her employer in April. And forging a paycheck from County of Orange later that year, or Orange County, what's it? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> later that year. 
Um, she also pled guilty to one count of felony perjury and grand theft and misdemeanor charges of falsely reporting a crime to police and 21 counts of falsely reporting a crime to a peace officer. The DA's office lodged 32 counts against her after her the deception was discovered, including 10 felonies, but she only received five years in prison. See, <clears throat> and falsely accusing somebody of rape or anything like that i think needs to have harsher penalties i agree because it perpetuates rape culture right exactly it's like it that actually happens to people and you're using it as this like like a weapon against somebody rather than actually it's just so yeah drives me crazy um so in the i was reading the like legal document of ian's like divorce decree and all the shit that so her miscarriage, he isn't even sure was his baby because she he was actually kind of like when she was pregnant, it was kind of like, mm-hmm. mm, are we? Can that even be possible? The right, first like, time, timeline wise, and then the second time, um, he realized that she wasn't pregnant because he, um, the sonogram she bought off were were bought off Etsy, <laughs> and then um, <laughs> I just I know. can't. And then, like, he found a bunch of pregnancy tests in the house, but they were drawn on with, like, a pink pen, and the pen was still in the box. Like, so... So she was fucking, like, cunning, but also dumb. Yeah. So, I'm like, you find a pregnant person and buy their pregnancy test, stupid. You don't fucking... We're not giving tips, (laughs) but... But also, come on. Come on. You like, just get a pregnant person's pee from them. Yeah. Then you can just do it yourself. Or do it with a dog. Do you have a pregnant dog? Yeah. See? See? (laughs) It's weird. Um, Uh, Yeah. But yeah, that was, I was, I was trying to find, oh, I think I typed in true crime stories with a twist. Because I wanted something that was like. With a twist. Or or like plot. I tried a true crime plot twist or something. I wanted like. I feel like and I started the the hardest part of this though was because I was the way I was trying to tell it where it had the twist in it not like mm-hmm. knowing it from the beginning all of the things are from Michelle Hadley's standpoint and I was trying to get mm. it from Angela's standpoint so I had to like pull it out of like 30 different news articles and then there was like um, I know there's a date my line on it. I think it's called Diabolical. Mm-hmm. And then, which is, I, I watched part of that and that was really good. And fucking, what's his name? Larry. Oh, the guy who, his name's Larry. The guy who does Dateline. I can't think of his fucking name. All I'm thinking is Larry King right now. No, it's not Larry King. I'm, I mean, I know. Um, <laughs> that's the only but, name that's popping in my head. Oh, uh, what was I going to fucking say? Uh, No, there's the guy that does To Catch a Predator. Or is it a different no. one? What is it? Fucking A. Now we gotta know. Now I gotta know. It's gonna bother me because now I'm like, mm. Lester. It's Lester. That's an awful name, but that's who Larry it is. Lester. Lester Holt. Oh, there you go. I was like, does- Larry Lester. No. Never heard that name before. Lester Holt, who does Dateline. <laughs> it's called Diabolical, which is really good. I got some stuff off of that, but um, it's just a. F- there was so many different articles that told told different timelines. So if you guys look into this and you're like, this was fucking wrong. No, 
look at another article because that's probably where I found it. So it was, right. there was a couple of different timelines and a couple of different, like, how many times did rapists call her or people come to do, not rapists, but come to do, like, the rape fantasy. <laughs> it was a strong word. Um, but it's getting a little rapey in here. It's getting a little fucking rapey in here. And I don't, I was tired of doing murder. Murder makes me sad sometimes. So I was like, let's do a weird let's do a rapey story no i'm just kidding let's do some sometimes i feel like my heart is stone (laughs) because i'm much more comfortable reading things about like murder and stalking is more terrifying to me than murder or like even like for serial killers for example son and son of sam bores the fuck out of me i think it's because they have become so popular, like, like I mainstreamed, say, mainstreamed, and the psychology of them has been studied so much that you there's almost a why, like you know why, right? Like As I opposed have to kind like, of a... like it just a base knowledge in your brain that it's because they're fucking crazy, and there's like a psychology right. behind it that's been studied and mainstreamed so much that it's it's like desensitized from it's, it, right? As opposed to like stories like this, where I mean, this one's not as scary, but like there's some stalking ones out there that are more terrifying to me than like reading about a serial killer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the ones with like strangers in my walls and like last night. I don't fucking like that. It's I weird. Was upstairs reading to the kids. Um reading them their good night like their stories and i kept hearing like noises downstairs and i was like there's somebody in the uh, house no no it's uh i opened up the front door because i was like what the fuck is it i looked out the window there's nothing there i opened up the front door they had a halloween decoration it was like one of those hanging like like and it was blowing last night so it kept coming off the door and then slamming back onto the door so i just whipped it down and i put it on the floor and shut the door and locked it and i was like god and never heard a thing again so that's what it was but i would like took me a second like finished the book and then i was like ran downstairs to what is that sound i need to figure this out or i need to uh get the fuck out of here (laughs) (laughs) bye kids are you gonna tell me your story now i think i might am i gonna like it am i gonna not like it i think so it's kind of interesting all right impress me i'm gonna tell you the tale of gerald jared and alice uden Uden. Uden. Ever heard that name? No. Oh, good. It's going to get you into... It sounds familiar, but I'm like, no, I don't think I have. It's going to get you into a real Minnesota accent. Uden. Uden. (laughs) Uden. So, Gerald and Alice Uden were married in the early 80s and settled in Missouri at the same time. They were originally from Wyoming. Okay. They attended... So, this is all my... Like, this is who they are as humans in 2013. Okay, because I have it like timelined, and it goes from 2013 back into sort the of 70s. Time yes. Okay. Are you ready to pivot? I almost said shit in front of the kids this week because I wanted to say sheet, and what did I? Oh, strip and sheet at the same time. And I was like, shit. And of course it had to be the schoolagers that I was watching on Friday. And they're like, oh, you almost said a swear word. I was like, yes, but I didn't, is the point. Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, so they attended church regularly. Alice had five children, one of whom lived with them um, when they were kids. And Gerald was their stepfather, so he didn't have any children with Alice. Mm-hmm. 
Gerald was a long-distance trucker, as was Alice. Okay. And at this point in 2013, they were grandparents. Gerald was 74. Alice was 71. And they both were still working. Okay. Because they chose to. Long-haul truckers. Right. A neighbor said they were the kind of neighbors you leaned over the fence and talked to about chickens with. What's up, neighbor? What's up? How's your chickens? I see your chickens. (laughs) It was 2013 that the police came calling to their quiet home. Oh, shit. And Alice was arrested, followed by Gerald as soon as he got home from his driving trip. Are they sex traffickers? (laughs) Just wait. Are they drug traffickers? Now. Are they exotic animal traffickers? (laughs) They're not trafficking shit. (laughs) Stop talking. Um, so rewind to 1974 now. So this just Saturday Night Fever is playing in the background. Exactly. I wasn't even a da, twinkle da, da, in my da, young da, mother's da. eyes. My young mother's eyes. My mother was only like 13 at this point. I don't know how old my mom is, and I'm not going to do math. She's born in '54, so 20s. About yeah. 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 Ah. Anyway, um, Alice was married to a man named Ronald Holtz in '74. He was her third husband. Obviously not doing too great on the whole husband front. Ronald. Ronald. And she, I mean, she was only in her, like, early 30s, too. So she was trucking through him. I mean, it's fine. But whatever. Alice was working as a nurse in a VA hospital in Sheridan, Wyoming. She had four children from her very first marriage. And they actually lived with their dad and his new wife. Okay. Um, So she didn't have a lot of contact with them. She had, like, just... Once in a while, they'd come and visit, type Probably of contact. A good thing. Uh, her second husband, the one right before Ronald Holtz, died. Sorry. Oh, died a year before, and they had had one child together named Erica. Okay. So Erica lived with Ronald and Alice. She was the one child in the household. Okay. And she was only like a year and a half at the time. Okay. When they got married. Um, well, yeah. Anyway, Ronald was a door gunner in Vietnam and had an honorable discharge for psychiatric issues. Again, she's picking them really well. Yeah. He was suicidal and she had actually met him at the VA in the psych ward. Oh, oh good. Fabulous. That's what I want to bring home to my child. Uh, they married in September of the year they were, they were like met and, they moved to Cheyenne. Ron worked as a taxi driver, and Alice got a job at a bar. Okay. They lived in a trailer outside of town. Alice soon found that Ronald was violent and had a very hard time controlling his temper. No way. What? A little bit of PTSD, possibly? You met him in the psych ward. Right. Like, it's probably not all there upstairs. Oh, and he was a drunk. Oh, good. That's always helps PTSD and mental issues. <laughs> Only five months into their marriage, Alice filed for a divorce for the sake of herself and her daughter. Um, The last report of Ron was filed as a work-study program out, like, coming from a mental institution. And then after that, there was no more trail of him. He just, like, fell off the map. Uh, He had disappeared, and since they were unable to contact him by any form, Alice was granted a divorce, and she moved on with her life. Because it was, like, five months, she's like... Didn't even consider it a marriage. Right. Uh, Alice took a job in an iron ore mine and met Gerald Uden. Okay. 
this was not too long after that, like within a year, who was married in 1976. Well, it would have been a few years after that. Anyway, he was married in 1976 and had been divorced and had baggage, we'll say. Oh, good. A few years earlier, he had met a woman named Virginia Beard. They quickly had a romantic interest in each other and got married. So they'd be fucking. Yes. We'll say that. And he always wanted to be a father and she had two sons. Um, And so he, like, naturally fell into that fatherly role of, Mm -hmm. you know, man's man bringing him hunting fishing all that stuff so they got married and after in 74 they got married because they met each other in 76 sorry the two were married and then with this marriage he adopted the sons because the father was completely out of the picture wasn't helping with like child support or anything like that and they were now legally a family and only six weeks after the adoption was official virginia filed for divorce Oh. Oh. And so now they had split responsibility for the kids because he had just adopted them. And not long after the split, Gerald met Alice and they began seeing each other. So Virginia did not like that there was a new woman in his life and in her son's lives. And she made it very clear and kind of made life a living hell for them. Um, She would like use the kids as a weapon for Virginia uh, for a lack of better words. She would like hold them, not let him see them unless, you know, as long as you don't have that Alice woman around, whatever that sort of thing. Um, so Virginia was not making the split or the custody easy. And Alice was encouraging Gerald to stand up for himself to her, but he was afraid that it was going to make things even worse and he was hoping that eventually it would kind of just calm down, like, naturally. Right. Because it was a new thing. But because he had adopted the boys, he was having to pay child support because she had majority custody. Oh, dick and this, Right. And this put a huge money constraint on the new couple who was trying to start their own life together. Right. Um... Which he was fine with. Like, everything I read, he didn't seem like he had an issue with the child support stuff. It was the fact that it was causing such stress for the kids, for him, for Alice, that all this, like, drama was happening. That was the biggest kicker for him. After some time, Gerald began feeling hostile towards Virginia and began losing patience for the situation and her behavior. Gerald invited the three to go target shooting on Saturday, on a Saturday in September 1975. Uh, the this three w- who? Um, the two sons and Virginia. Okay. Which wasn't weird because he would try to do this every once in a while so that it wasn't so, there wasn't so much hostility between mm-hmm. everybody. So he tried to do stuff here and there and they had gone target shooting in the same spot multiple times. Uh, they arranged to meet at the edge of his property. The three borrowed Virginia's mother's car to head towards the meeting spot mm-hmm. with Gerald. Her mom was getting worried when it started to get late and they hadn't returned back. And right about the time that she was worrying, Gerald showed up and asked her if she knew where Virginia had gone because she never showed up for their with the target shooting with the boys. <gasps> Motherfucker. Um, this concerned her mother 
And she knew that Virginia would never just disappear and she would let her know if plans had changed since she was using her vehicle. And together, Gerald and Claire, who is Virginia's mother, drew, drove the route from her house to Gerald's house to see if they could find the vehicle. And there was no sign of the car. And they continued searching through the different areas and they just they didn't find a trace of anything. Her mother reported the boys and her missing that evening and the police didn't didn't think it was super serious considering she was having tumultuous tumultuous relationship with him maybe they wanted to just go get away for a while maybe it was you know all that fun stuff that they try to like right try to be like oh it's fine whatever my nose um, is cold i assumed either that or like i smell which is possible uh, the problem with them, like, thinking maybe they w just went away for a while mm -hmm. is Virginia didn't pack anything for herself or the boys no. to go anywhere. So the mother was like, yeah, that's not the case. But being it's the 70s, they just assumed people just w decided to leave. And right. she was an adult and she had custody over her children. So the biggest thing is just she had taken the car. Right. Uh, a couple days later, a full-scale search was launched for the family. Gerald was questioned at his property, and he genuinely seemed baffled by what had happened and where they had gone. Um, he told them that they had been having issues, but that didn't change the fact that he cared about the boys as if they were his own sons. Right. They then tracked down the boy's biological father, who confirmed that he had nothing to do with his ex-family. He hadn't even contacted them in years. And his alibi was confirmed, so they moved on. There was then a, type a typed letter sent to Virginia's mother saying that she had to leave because she was having troubles there. And she just didn't have any time to explain. And she's sorry for causing any trouble or worry. She said she was going to Illinois to stay with friends and then planned to move to Pennsylvania after that with other friends. It's not true. Right. Her mother was at first felt some relief thinking maybe she, you know, maybe she's fine and they're just, you know, needing to get out of there. No. It's not but, true. But then there were the questions that were like lingering. What friends was she going to stay with? She didn't know of any of her friends that lived in those states. And why would she be going any place other than like to her mother's house to just stay and be away right. from things? And then also why was it typed? Why did they type the letter instead of just writing a letter to send? Because, right. like, I mean, you don't want to say, like, in the 70s it was hard. But, I mean, you had to have, like, a typewriter. Right. Which takes... That's a long time to write a letter. Yeah. So, three weeks after the disappearance, they found her station wagon. It was found not very far from her property, from the mother's property. And... It seemed that someone had tried to push it into the canyon that was near there. It also seemed that they, like, so if when they couldn't do that, it seemed like they panicked. So they covered it up with, like, pine branches and attempted to start it on fire, but didn't start it on fire. Like, there was no burn marks, but they had a rag in the gas tank. Like, they were going to start it and try to blow it up. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. It's like they panicked, did all this stuff, and then they were like, well, maybe it'll be fine just sitting here. So they're just really bad at getting rid of evidence. Correct. Okay. In the back of the car was a huge amount of blood. Oh, they good. Matched, That's always a good sign. Right? <laughs> right? 
They matched the blood type in the car with Virginia. Meet it was Virginia. Type a. Sorry, that's been in my head this entire story. Huh? Meet Virginia has been in my head that song. What is that? It's a song. What song? I don't know. <laughs> I've never heard it. I'm like, I don't know that song. Um, they searched around the area where they found the car with no luck. The police appealed to the public and the boys' faces were some of the boys that, or were some of the kids' faces on the milk cartons back in the day oh. to try to find them. Gerald was getting pressured by the community because they felt that he knew more. He was threatened multiple times and received letters saying that they knew that he had been involved in harming Virginia and the boys. And Gerald thought these letters came from the river or the Wind River tribe that was like bordering his property. Mm -hmm. And so he genuinely feared for his safety because they had access to his property. They were right, right. next to it. If they, they basically were like threatening that they'd kill him if he didn't come forward and stuff in these letters. And the only person that the police found that would have any sort of motive in this was Gerald. So right. everybody's like suspicions were founded in a way, but there was no evidence, evidence that he did anything. But Or bodies, right? Right. There was no bodies, no nothing to even support that they hadn't just tried to ditch the car, talk off in another car and went someplace. So who knows, right? Right. And he seemed genuinely concerned about his adopted sons. Like, he was one of the ones scouting to go find them and trying to get these searches going. Once he felt his job, or he left his job, well, he was let go from his job at the mines, Alice and Gerald decided to move to Missouri, Alice's home state. Uh, this threw up some red flags for the people investigating since they hadn't found their adopted son, his adopted sons yet. And they were like, why would he want to leave? But also considering the fact that he lost his job, people were threatening him and he had such a dark history with the area and who knew like if they had just left or right. what they also kind of were like, I mean, I see where he's coming from right. wanting to move on with his life and not sit there and wallow in it. Um, Gerald, Alice and Erica settled in their into their new life virginia's mother was suspicious of the couple from the beginning with no real evidence so she constantly was like they had something to do with the disappearance of virginia and the boys it's you know it's them it's them it's them but the police are like we can't i mean there's no evidence that they did anything so we can't like just hop on them and arrest them right she even was one of those people that called psychics and anything else she could do to try to, like, point in a direction so that they could find evidence to keep moving with the case. Virginia and her son's case went cold for 12 years after this. There was no new information to work with. The 1992 rolls around. A young man walked into the police station into a police station and told them a family secret. <gasps> this man was Todd Scott, one of Alice's oldest children. Oh, shit. Todd told them that Alice married a man named Ron Holtz just before her marriage to Gerald. He was abusive and crazy. He then claimed that once when he and his mother were driving around and both had been drinking, he... She admitted in a drunken, drunken ramble that she had killed Ron. 
and had passed out after another session. He had passed out after another session of heavy drinking and violence towards her and her daughter. And she was fed up and just walked up to him and point blank shot him with his 22 rifle in the head. <gasps> then drove Erica to his parents' house Wrong two chairs. hours away and left her there, returned to clean up his body. <gasps> she, dun, dun, dun. Right? She emptied out a 55 gallon, what I could tell from their description is a tote. That they stored all their Christmas decorations in and stuffed Ron inside of it. She rolled it out to the porch, dropped it into her trunk. Todd said that she said that she had a friend who came to help her dispose of the body in a gold mine, an abandoned gold mine near the area. He genuinely believed that this was true. And Todd also believed that this could help them figure out what happened to Virginia and her sons. Ooh, shit, son. Oh, shit. Being that Ron Holtz had never been technically reported missing or dead officially because his family, he was a drunk rambler. He didn't, he kind of just did his own thing. So his family was like, he probably just picked up and went someplace else and they just didn't think much of it. And obviously Alice didn't report it. She just said, I can't get a hold of him for these papers. What do I do? Waited the allotted time and she got granted her divorce. So since he wasn't officially reported either dead or missing, they needed to find the body in order to even go forward with the claim of a death. Right. So archaeologists went to the mine where the son had said she dumped him. And he. They began to dig. And they, the dig lasted for years and years. This place was also a, uh, like, scrapyard for animal carcasses for oh. the, like, surrounding uh, rural area. And so they had to dig through, like, 20 years of animal Bones. remains. Yeah. And make sure that each bone they pulled up wasn't yeah. a human bone. So they, like, would layer by layer take out, like, the mush and bones and stuff. And, like, find it. Okay, so 20 years of that they had to look through. Police didn't want to confront Alice too soon to jeopardize the case. Mm -hmm. So they stayed kind of quiet and just did their digging to see what that came up with that. That's so fucked up. Now, that was in 92. Fast forward Mm -hmm. to 2005. Okay. Wyoming police visited her home in Missouri. So they came into Alice's home. They didn't tell her what they knew about the case. They just asked her to provide her complete family tree because they were trying to reopen the case to solve it. Of Ron? Yeah. And she complied, but managed to forget to put in her marriage to Ron. So they came back the next day and confronted her with her neglect to mention her third husband. Oh, yeah. And she. They said that she seemed visibly shocked when they said Ron's name, and she said she slightly, like, lost her footing and said, our kids told you. And then she explained that the reason she left him out is because they had only been married for, like, five months. They didn't have any children, so she didn't even consider him a part of the family tree. Yeah. And, which, 
makes Makes sense. sense. Yeah. So during this time, they were still working with Virginia's case, trying to figure out what happened there. And in 2008, so three years after they confronted her about this, there was no real proof still, but Mm -hmm. now she kind of knew that they were looking into it a little deeper. Um, In 2008, they began to dig on the Uden's old property in Wyoming. Oh. Oh. Oh, shit. Uh, Focusing mainly on the pigsty, but unfortunately, there were no results. Meanwhile. Oh, shit. (laughs) Life was going well in Missouri for the Udens. They were happy with each other, but soon Alice, with her age, was diagnosed with cancer and started receiving treatments and had to stop driving. So during this time, she was staying at home and she began raising chickens, which explains the chicken comment. Oh, you got some chickens there, Alice. Oh, yeah. And she'd sell those eggs there to her neighbors. Yeah, sell the eggs. Um, Her grandchildren were usually her topic of conversation and she seemed like a normal and sweet old lady. Just, they, they always do. Right? They were just a typical typical elderly couple. They all, always do. Right? All of the people that knew them since they moved there were just like, You know who else normal. was just a typically elder man? Fucking Golden State Killer. True. They always True. appear. They always Old are. people are fishy, man. So, <laughs> it's... So at this point, they the police knew that Alice and Gerald were involved in all four of the disappearances, but they have no proof. They as had, to... yeah, exactly. They needed something concrete in order to like move forward with things, right? So now we're going to come back into 2013 when okay. they came to her door. After the years of excavating, the archaeological, yep, them got it. They archaeologists found, they found human remains <sighs> in that pit. Shit. And in August of 2013, they found the skull with a bullet hole and a 22 caliber bullet inside the skull still. Oh, shit. Yeah. The DNA testing verified that this was Ron Holtz. DNA test turns out it's 100% Ron, Ron Holtz. Holtz. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> then in September, Alice was arrested and she was taken in for questioning. When they brought her in, they showed her a picture of Ron and simply said, this is Ron Holtz. And the elderly elderly woman said, is it? Acting like she feigned to remember what he looked like. Yeah. Um, Then they followed up by showing her a picture of the skull that they found and said, this is also Ron Holtz. Oh, shit. Then they just straight asked her, did you kill Ron Holtz? And she admitted everything. Just broke down like, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. She told them that he was abusive. He confirmed, they, she basically confirmed the information that Todd had said. And that that day, back in 74, Erica was crying. Ron was sleeping. Ron had very little patience for Erica, the toddler at the time. And for her crying. And so when he woke up to her crying, he turned his violence on Alice's daughter. Alice intervened, ended up getting thrown to the floor next to a closet where she saw his rifle leaning up against the wall. Mm-hmm. She looked up, saw Ron turning towards her daughter's crib again and grabbed the rifle, ran over 
and shot him in the head as and, he was leaning over the crib to and see if that was a true story and it might I'd, be i know i'd be like i get it I mean, I get it. I would do the same if mm-hmm. something was going to hurt my baby. Fuck you. I'm going to shoot you in the head. So then she... But right. So I the, wouldn't also hide the body. I'd well, call and that's the cops exactly, and be like, motherfucker was going to beat my baby. That's exactly it. That's why it makes it so suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, that, so she left him on the floor and drove Erica to Ron's parents' house and then came back to clean up and whatever. Investigators asked her if she had had any help from anybody. And she said, no, she did it on her own. There was nobody else there. but And there was no evidence saying that anybody else was there. So they yeah. just took her at her word because, I mean, she's admitting to killing somebody. I feel like she's trying, being pretty honest at this point. At this point. Um, they then asked about the Udins, Virginia's disappearances. I know you're hungry. We'll get you food. She said she had no knowledge of those disappearances. She knew about... She knew that they disappeared, but she didn't know how and where they went. When Gerald got home and found that Alice had been arrested, he knew that time had run out, and he took his 20-year-old grandson into the bedroom, gave him the gun, and told him not to be scared. Basically asked him to kill him. So he killed... Virginia and his sons? He didn't say that, but he knew that... He hasn't said it yet. But there was a knock at the door when he had come in and they were having this, like, confrontation where he's like, just don't be scared, just just do it. No! To his grandson. They told Gerald that Alice had been arrested for the murders of the three. So they, like, muffed it up for murders of the three, but... They were bluffing, obviously. She had only been, mar- like, arrested for Ron. But Gerald would not allow Al- Alice to fall for a crime that he had confessed, or that he had committed. So he <gasps> confessed and told them that he was the one who had killed the three So people. she killed her ex, he killed his ex, and they didn't know about and they just about- They didn't know it about each other? They, see, I don't know if they didn't know, because it seems that... Alice has is a little bit of a loose lip, and there's a lot of different things coming up that it's like, mm, don't really know. That's so fucked up. <laughs> he admitted that he had invited the three to go hunting with the purpose of killing them that day. He, They all got into the vehicle together, drove about five or six miles north of his property, then they pulled off the road near an irrigation canal, and... Gerald said that he wanted to test the rifle that Virginia had had inherited from her father to make sure, because it hadn't been shot for a long time, to make sure it was working correctly before the boys tried to shoot it, because they were really excited to shoot it. Mm-hmm. So, again, makes sense. She's like, okay, here. And he tests it. He fired a test shot and said, oh, yeah, you know, this should be in working order. Then, in his words, this is his confession, Virginia was there, the gun was there, and I was there. I shot her right square in the back of the head, and she went down. I rolled then and shot Richard right in the back of his head, and by that time, Reagan had decided that things were going south, and he started running. He tripped, he fell into a ditch, and I walked over and I shot him once as well. There were, they oh were all God. three dead. So what did I do? I lowered... I. L- Oh, 
I lowered them into the car. I took them back to my home. I had no idea what how much blood was in a person. I took them out to the gold mines and I dumped them in it. So they also were in a mine. Um, then pulled them back out of sight and it's a hell of a thing to admit to, but I probably would have killed Claire too, Virginia's mother, if she had gotten too pushy about things. Oh, Jesus. He also confessed that months after the murders, he went back to the mines, got the bodies out, put Virginia's in a 66-gallon steel drum, and then put the boys into a 30-gallon drum and sealed them both. He poked holes in the top of the barrels and threw them into Fremont Lake, hoping that they would sink. And they did. Fremont Lake is one of the deepest lakes in the United States. It's like 600 feet deep. It's huge. Um, he was placed under arrest and then he was placed under arrest then and there still in his house while walking out. It was very loud. It was really loud. While walking out, he turned to Erica and said, God, I'm sorry for what I did. Both Alice and Gerald were sent to Wyoming for trial. Different trials, though. Correct. That's so fucking weird! I know! (laughs) That's why I read the title and I was like, what the fuck? What was the title? It was like... It's like, son or daughter says that had no idea her parents were killers 30 years ago or whatever. I was like, "Ah." That was so fucking weird. Uh, Gerald first was tried. He refused representation. He insisted on a court-appointed attorney. And to avoid the death penalty, he pled guilty. He exclaimed that, or he explained that, oh, her, she predatorily seduced him into the marriage. And Virginia? Yeah, that he, she had planned to divorce him once he was legally able to cover money wise for other things because she was in a financial that's how they met in the first place was because she was trying to sell everything she could and he was a gun expert and he was the like appraiser in the area for the guns and she was trying to sell one of the guns that her father had given her okay because she didn't have money and so that's how they actually met and he said basically he was saying that it was a false relationship in her mind but not in his and she took full advantage of him having feelings for her um, and her sons. He believed that she had only gotten the marriage for financial support for her sons. And he said that he would use, she would use the boys as a weapon. Like I said earlier, he didn't care about the money and he could afford the payments fine, but constantly being pinned between Virginia and Alice had made him break and he could not handle it anymore. He just couldn't, take the drama anymore he admitted that he planned to kill them all when they set out that afternoon so first degree Mm -hmm. he explained that he felt he felt if he were the one if he were to kill one of them he had to kill all of them which is why he didn't spare the boys yeah and he didn't think that any of them suffered because he did it as fast as he knew how and he said he had no excuse for it, and what done, what was done was done, and he can't take it back now. Gerald was sentenced to life in prison. Okay. In 2014, now August, Alice went to trial. This is kind of a 
weird thing. She was a fragile elderly woman at this point, sitting in a wheelchair, thinning white hair, wire glasses. She legitimately looks like someone rolling around a, like a retirement home, elderly, like sunset home, you know? Yeah. You know? Uh, the court supplied hearing aids so she could even understand what was happening in the trial. She <laughs> held, well, she was like, had been through cancer. She was like, and she would be like 73 at this point. Lived a life, I tell you that. <laughs> she held fast to her claims of killing Ron Holtz. She said it was self-defense. She pleaded not guilty to first degree charges saying, I tried to atone for it. I wish I had never met him so that none of, none of this ever would have happened. He was a very frightening man. She told the story of Erica crying and said that Ron was, Ron had said, I'm going to kill her talking about Erica and Alice believed it. So she was not going to take any chances. Right. There were inconsistencies, though, in Alice's story in comparison to what she had told earlier and what her son had told. Yeah, but she's also 73. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to take her side. I'm just saying that, like... At first, she had said that he was woken by her daughter's crying, but then later on, she said that he had just come in the door and stormed to her room because she was crying. Um, also, Todd's story that he had told when his mother told him at first was that she had shot him while he was sleeping that it was not when he was even awake trying to get to oh. erica so todd todd said in court that he didn't know why his mother would ever tell her child that she had killed anybody and he also said to his mother i hate you <gasps> like he had big time like hard feelings for her so i'm kind of curious what the i wonder if she just wasn't a good mother he, well i mean they had dad had full custody and all that fun stuff so i'm kind of curious as to the background just a very rough thing to say to yeah and then he said on his way out of court to her i hope it was all worth it Yeet. alice Alice had an older daughter as well named Teresa who said that her, I'm Teresa. I'm Teresa. <laughs> um, who told her, who said that she had said she shot Ron while he was sleeping as well. So Alice had told her the same story as she told Todd. Mm -hmm. And that was when she was a bit younger. And so maybe it's more of what the truth is because, you know, you your mind can even change what the truth is to what you want it to be mm -hmm. after telling it to yourself enough. Right. Though they had all, it, it was all hearsay evidence. And with, with that, they didn't, they needed more concrete stuff to actually charge her with first degree murder. Like she plotted it while he was sleeping. Right. Forensic pathologist James Wilkerson told a story, the story of the bullet. So he said it told a story that it had bounced around in his skull once he was shot. And she like, he like showed it like a visual of it bouncing around in like an, a skull orb. Um, and along with the trajectory proving that the shot had come from an above angle it was consistent with being shot while someone was laying down. The defense, though, argued that he was bent down into the crib, which, if this is true, why would you shoot his head when he's leaning over your baby? Mm -hmm. But they said he was bent down into the crib when she shot him, which would also make that same angle. 
which was true. He, the pathologist said, I mean, I suppose that's possible, but it doesn't, it's not plausible if you're you're not going to shoot into a crib. You're not going to shoot six inches from your baby's face. So there was also a jailhouse phone call that she had with her daughter that was shared by prosecutors as evidence in the recording. She admitted to have to have having a bloody mattress that she needed to get rid of. And she got rid of it in an Illinois landfill with her mother. Alice said that she was referring to the mattress in the crib, but they say that's unlikely considering you said you needed help getting rid of it. Cause it's a crib mattress. They're not like cumbersome and hard to move around on your own. Uh, the jury was unaware of the murders committed five years later by Gerald. So this was all like point blank. This is all you know is what happened here. Uh, after the jury deliberated for a day and a half, they found her guilty of second degree. They argued that they didn't have enough proof that she had planned the murders. But it doesn't sound like a murder that was planned. Right. The cleanup was planned. Right. But it doesn't, it sounds like that was planned on a two hour drive while she dropped her child off. Well, not, like, uh, what am I going to do? Right. It doesn't sound, the murder doesn't seem like a murder that was planned. Because if she had planned it, her daughter wouldn't have been in the home. Right. And like, well, and they also didn't think that it was like the lesser she didn't plan, like she shot him in the head. She planned to kill him. It wasn't manslaughter. Right. So secondary makes the most sense to me. Yeah. On November 1st, 2014, she was sentenced to life, which is the maximum for second degree. Her attorney, Donald Miller, requested the judge to sentence Alice only to like probational community service because Alice's daughter, Erica, had been diagnosed with cancer while she was going through the court process. And at the time, she was only expected to live six more months. And so being Alice is already as old as she is, it's like she's not a threat to society. Or put her in an institution. Right. Um, Change.org actually petitioned for the life sentence to be changed. Um, They pleaded that she was or she pleaded guilty and she was 75 years old, 75 years old, not a threat to society. Why do we need to keep her behind lock and key right now when, you know, whatever. But there were only nine supporters of this on that site. <laughs> so it didn't really go anywhere. She was never charged with the murders of the three Uden family members. There were some consistencies, though. They, like, all of the victims were put into mine shafts. They were all shot in the head. They were all, well... They never found the bodies of the oh of the kids the and, the, and try and drag the leg. Well, six hundred feet. Well, oh, Erica ended up surviving her cancer, so that's nice. And now agrees that justice was served and has had a hard time coming to terms with the fact that both of the people who raised her were murderers, even though technically Gerald like he was sentenced, but it was kind of like a. They never found the body. Yeah. So, um, but it's hard for her to come to terms with that. People magazine did an interview with Erica and she stated that she sees the whole thing as a warped love story, a story where her mother killed to protect her and her stepfather killed to protect her mother from this whole situation. Virginia's mom died. Claire 
Virginia's mom died in 2013 before the confession of Gerald. So she never saw like the wrap up of things, but she always knew that he had something to do with it. In the summer of 2013, 2014, and 2015, sonar and boats traced the lake looking for the mother and sons. But to this day, they have not been found. But it's such a deep lake that... Right. It's like they do what they can, but they can't really even like drudge it because it's so deep. Um, Alice Uden died at 80 years old in on June 12th of 2019. Oh. 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 <laughs> and with her death, the very next day, Gerald wrote a note. And this is the note. <clears throat> Dear Ron, just a note. You will be pleased to know that the murderous Alice Uden has passed on to the next life, 6-12-19, at 800 hours. I was never allowed to see her, and in some ways, it was just as well. It is kind of like a great weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I am now free to seek total exoneration, which I intend to do, and I don't have to feel guilty about it anymore. I don't know if the courts will hear my case since they're... Since there was a plea agreement, but if I don't try, I will end up dying here. I asked her to take ownership of Ron Prudy, Ron Prudy and Virginia and the boys, but she refused. Or Don Prudy, Virginia and the boys. I don't know who Don is. There was one thing about Alice I never understood. She was supposed to be a devout Catholic, but there was no for there was no forgiveness in her. Once you got on her bad side. There is no redemption. I don't know what you intend to do with this, with all this. As for myself, I am going to live the best way I can. I like to think that myself as a Christian and there is a forgiveness in my heart, even if those who have done terrible things. Jesus once told a crowd, those of you without sin cast the first stone. Can I do any less? Best wishes, Gerald. So it's like he wrote a letter to Ron Holtz saying take solace in the fact that she's dead um and know that you weren't the only one and i just couldn't so she killed he's saying she killed virginia and the boys mhm and it kind of sounds like she killed her um husband that her second husband too oh so cuz i think that's who John, don is that's oh, erica's dad shit. and this was in june of this year and i haven't seen any other updates after that so that's oh, where we leave it shit. so he's according to this he's gonna do what he can to try to get exonerated for the crimes because now that he doesn't hold the guilt of not standing up for his wife yeah I was like, and the one of the articles I read was like, that's also so, very convenient that you wait until she dies and then mm-hmm. go, I'm just kidding. I didn't kill him. She did that at the end of the article that I read. I can't remember what, which one it was, but they said, so Gerald does not intend to let Alice rest in peace just yet. And it's like, oh, oh shit. shit. But at the same time, you did tell them all of the steps you did with all the bodies and everything like that. So that seems like. See, and I think it's just, like, a last-ditch effort to, like, maybe spend the last couple years of your life not in prison. Yeah, but with the way our justice system works, you're You're gonna be dead before it even gets to trial, dude. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. (laughs) But yeah, so that was my random thing I stumbled into, and it was really hard to find things about their early life, so I'm glad I did find what I did. But 
because everything I looked up was all about this letter that he wrote since it was so recent. Oh, yeah. That's and what it sucks. Like, you have to go to, like, page 30 of Google and start finding, like, relevant. Well, but then you gotta dig through all the irrelevance. Exactly. You know, well, yeah. and it was, like, it was, like, a summation of everything that happened. I was like, I want to know what the cases were. I Why can't the meat I potatoes. find it? Like, she has a Murderpedia page. So I looked at that for, like, her court stuff. But even Mm -hmm. that only had, like, a little bit of, like, the backstory of things. So it was like... But it was really interesting. And it took a lot of... It was a lot of research for a week where I, like, had no time. Uh, Yeah, mine was too. So (laughs) what we do to ourselves. Yay. Hey. You just high-fived yourself. I know I did. The point is that it sounded like a high-five, remember? Not a visual platform. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. Whatever. I'm the best. Hey, should I save this one? Yes, please. (laughs) I don't want to fucking read that again. Uh, nope. Nope. Alright. Well, guys. I wasn't recording? (laughs) I'd be like, well, I guess we're not putting out another fucking episode. Alright, see you later. I don't got time for this shit. We're just fucking done. This is, we're done with this podcast. (laughs) I get an eight hour break in this two weeks. I'm done with this shit. Bye. (laughs) Um, Guys, thanks for listening. Sorry about us being a hot mess and the fact that I'm talking while yawning. If you can understand that. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks for being understanding, honestly, because it's just, I mean, I'm sure everybody's like, yep, life happens sometimes. And when it's a process of a couple hours for us to record, a couple hours for you to fucking edit yeah on top of it it's like eh. sometimes you can't find that like six hours in a week to you figure know, things out sometimes i just don't fucking want to no that's not the right case i'm just kidding i was like don't make them think that you're just not gonna when you don't want I to just don't fucking feel like being this person anymore oh, well this is the last episode guys so i hope you enjoyed it bye felicia christina, christina quit i fucking quit uh follow us on instagram facebook and twitter Twitter. I've really got to get better yeah. at Twitter. I fucking hate it, though. I fucking hate Twitter. Um, we should get I, shirts that just say, I fucking hate Twitter. Right? I hate it. Not Bill approved, and I, I hate, hate Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> We're never going to get sponsored by Twitter. <laughs> it's fucking fine. It's fine, guys. Ugh, I'm not cool, anyway. So, send us emails. Do all that stuff. Can you tell that we're just, like, trying to get this done? I promise upcoming episodes will be like top fucking notch i mean the stories are good in these ones but i feel like we're a lot more cavalier about the entrance and the exits i mean recently it's just what it is at this point in time mm-hmm. we need to revamp and re-brand. that's what we're doing we're already we're already brainstorming some i'm getting a it's fucking more like reco- a brain light drizzle let's be honest <laughs> right we're getting a fucking recording space we'll have our own space to work on stuff yeah. So and my dad doesn't come down here to ask me if we're recording? Yes. Yeah. We're fucking recording, Thomas. Thank yes. you. That's why we have the microphones and the headphones. It's weird. And, no, we're just sitting here. Sometimes we just talk and record it because we love to save things. Anyway. And not save them. Fucking A. Bye, guys. Hey, bye. Huh?